Welcome to this Driving High Performance Teams podcast powered by AWK and Sage. Now, through the pandemic, the use of technology and digital transformation have become some of the biggest buzzwords and phrases in the world of business. Despite two years of uh, the new normal, some organizations are still struggling with how they can get the best performance out of their teams in a technology-enabled environment. My name is Muriwa Gavaza, writer with the Business Day and Financial mail and i'll be your host for this very fascinating discussion joining me today is jeff ryan who is uh, from aw cape uh, together with harrod uh, hartman who is from sage and they're going to be highlighting their view uh, on the link between people and technology in driving high performance teams Uh, maybe a good place for us to start, gentlemen, and I think I'm going to throw this one out first to Jeff before we hear from Harrod is that um, you heard in the beginning we were talking about the fact that I think digital transformation and all of that, um, a lot of people are probably tired of hearing these terms by now, and a lot of people must also be a little bit confused about what they actually mean. But when it comes to actually driving those high-performance teams, right, it does appear that a lot of organizations are investing in this technology, right? So what role does technology have when it comes to driving um, these high-performance teams that we're talking about? Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, the focus there is on high-performance teams. I think, you know, over the last two years with COVID, and everyone's kind of been sitting back with these buzzwords and what to do about it and everything. Technology was kind of enforced on a lot of these organizations. Um, the reality was in lockdown, everyone had to go home and everyone had to work from home. So suddenly there was a digital transformation, whether the business wanted it or not. So there's certain roles that had to completely evolve to be able to work in a remote environment. And that wouldn't have been possible without technology. And what became very interesting is roles that you previously thought couldn't actually be done remotely are now being done remotely. However, the conversation has now changed because we move into a more sort of hybrid environment where there's a choice and there's a lot of um, culture change with people saying, I really like this idea of being able to work from home sometimes and maybe going back to the office. There's two main issues I, I'm finding is one, there's, there's, a, a, there's a, a couple of businesses saying that we must continue on this, this role because of the pro- productivity side. Um, and then the second one is that actually there's, there's a loss of some productivity in certain cases. And I'll touch on what I mean by that is there's a lot of the informal conversations that are not happening anymore. So although the ability to do more work because you can have back-to-back teams meetings rather than walking between meetings or traveling to, to clients or whatever it is, that makes you more productive. But a lot of the IP and internal knowledge in organizations is being lost because they're not having conversations around what they're doing with their colleagues. And that impacts the overall productivity, both in the short term and long term, because you've got knowledge in people's heads without it being transferred. And the other thing that that affects is the culture. There's a lot of side side conversations happening um, on WhatsApp groups um, through technology that would have been kind of um, nipped in the bud by management or by the organization when they heard that of the coffee machines or the water coolers. And that's not happening either. So productivity gets affected there as well. Very interested to get, uh, you know, your take on this one, Harrod. I think Jeff is just uh, mentioning one of the biggest uh, factors uh, that we see and hear a lot of employers talking about, and that's 
I guess the intangible aspect of what it means to, you know, work together. Uh, the fact that some of these water cooler conversations tend to be a little bit more um, important than what we actually give them credit for. But in a technology-enabled environment, are we trying to replicate some of those things or are we trying to maybe uh, depart in some way? I'm very interested to get your take. Dimer, good day. It's great to be on the podcast. And yes, I think uh, uh, definitely Jeff laid the ground. and. Uh, I don't think ever with water cooler talk is going to disappear. It just takes on different forms when we uh, are remote. But I mean, back to back to the technology side of it, and and we touched on it. Companies need, or companies was forced to look at technology, uh, whether they wanted to or not, and that inspired them to start looking at change. And I think one of the the main things that businesses are challenged with is the fact that they need to adapt. Two new models. Now, if we specifically look at a workforce working at the office, how we did it, then after that, working forced to be worked remotely, like we're connecting today um, via platform to communicate and have a conversation. But it definitely influenced the performance of teams. So there was a there was a mind shift to say, oh. You, you at work, you leave for home, you relax at home. Now the environment is both home and work in one place. And for, for people to get into that rhythm took them time. Personal uh, adaption to that, but then also the technology part. How do we now make it real? How do we connect? How do we make sure we have engaged or an engaged workforce? And then again, to Jeff's point, all of a sudden, you were used to, oh, I walk, make coffee, have a quick chat, go back, attend the meeting. Now it's back to back. Start in the mornings, meeting after meeting after meeting. And if you, as an individual, don't manage your time correctly, you could burn out. And that's part of the responsibility of the company is to say, when we embrace technology, how do we educate to enable our teams to perform at their best? Because that's what we want. And after that, now with we passed lockdown, we again in a world where we can go to the office, the, everyone talks about the new norm. Should I be in the office? Should I be remotely? And, and how do we guide? How do you navigate? Because there's not a blueprint for that. Um, and I think what's very important from there, if there's not a blueprint, you must obviously make sure that as a company, you, you, you navigate and you decide, who are the people that could maybe live in a hybrid world or who are the colleagues that need to be in office or only never be in office? And, and I think that that's important to make sure that you define what you need from technology, but then how you enable your workforce or your, yeah, your workforce to adapt it and stay focused. No, 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 it's very interesting. And especially when we see, uh, I guess the blurring of lines is, uh, you know, something that has been causing quite a little bit of angst for a lot of people that are working in this hybrid environment. You know, I think one of the things I like that Herod said is the fact that back in the day there was a... 
I'm going to call it a psychological separation at the very least between having your workspace, you know, versus your home space and actually having that separation helped people to actually know what's actually going on. But now the lines are blurred. Uh, There's a lot of people that are doing way more work now. And there is this issue of burnout. And one of the things, um, Herod, I want to maybe move on to because we sort of laid the groundwork, but we need to get into some of the practical implications. And one of the big ones that we are seeing seeing um, around the world is that beyond the buzzwords they are you know that people are tired of uh, the workplace is different uh, than it was two years ago whether in person remote or hybrid companies around the world are facing mass resignations uh, and um, you know and a reduction in tolerance to the traditional way of doing things right so how can technology actually then uh, in a practical sense be helped to bridge that gap between what was and what now is it's again per industry i would like to i don't want to necessarily put it or just put a framework down to say it's for everyone the same i mean each industry will have different guidances at the end but to your point 100 the work environment changed the individual or the employee especially with the different generations that we've got in the workplace so so let's take uh, Generation Z, they were born with technology. They used to technology. And for them, it's, but why do I need to go into an office if I, if I have technology that can connect? But maybe for another generation, a Generation X or baby boomers, um, they feel that, listen, we, we can live in a world where I can, I can see you in person, but I can also use technology to embrace me. And I think what's very important is you need to make sure if you, re- if you want to retain talent in your organization, you need to have different policies and you need to be flexible. You can't have this rigid approach to say, oh, everyone needs to be in the office independent of what you're doing. I know when it comes to manufacturing businesses, et cetera, you need to have people on the ground manufacturing a product. And that's why I say it's different. But maybe if you're in the finance team, you can use technology to run your daily tasks. So again, whatever those tasks are. But I think the main, the main message is have a look at the different roles or the different jobs in your company. Be practical about it. Take a step back and say, is it really necessary to have people on the ground or could we do it remotely? Or the other side of it, mix the two. You know what? A new person starting, there's a connection at the office, there's an introduction to teams, et cetera. Build that culture. And then you can say, okay, now we move in a hybrid world where it's a little bit of both, remote or or in office. Um, but but bottom line is you need to be more f- you need to have a new lens you need to look at flexibility behind it and not be just rigid to say because it's been done for so many years we just need to keep on doing the same thing otherwise you're going to lose potential good talent. I think that's actually been one of the biggest ironies um, of uh, this digital transformation talk and buzzwords um, discussion that we've been having is to say that despite the fact that a lot of companies, organizations, and people have seen the benefits of a hybrid work environment, the flexibility that it provides, and the fact that um, we sort of had a dis... um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? That that locking in, you know, between being in office and productivity. We've sort of decoupled um, those things, but. It's been quite ironic to see that a lot of companies are still quite resistant. Despite all the lessons learned, you still find a lot of companies still wanting to go back to the way that things are. And maybe here I'm going to bring in uh, Jeff to get your take, especially on this one, because one of the big themes um, around all of this stuff, uh, Herod was uh, sort of laying down the groundwork about what it means around the issue of flexibility, etc. But when it comes to actually using technology, um, it seems that at this point, everything seems to be geared towards big data. The idea that using data points and analyzing data sets can actually help to increase efficiencies or at least uh, glean insights about behaviors that a business can capitalize on. When it comes to employee engagement analytics, what specific data points, you know, can be looked at and how can these actually be used, um, you know, firstly to drive uh, the performance that we're talking about, but also engagement, because I don't think it's something that we necessarily, you think big data, but you aren't necessarily thinking about employee engagement and the like. And you know, Harry talked on in his first you know, points, um, the education side um, is, is huge. And, and what I mean by that is the role within organizations for HR executives, and these are the people that are going to be looking at these metrics and uh, has fundamentally changed. Over the last 10 years, there's been a real focus on soft skills and it was already building, but it's even more so where we are at the moment because the, to Kara's points, there's people that could potentially burn out, even your high performers, if they're not managed correctly. There's people that um, need to understand how to work in this remote environment. There's people that need to understand the, the importance of sometimes having office um, get-togethers and people, you know, being together. You know, the, the role itself is very important in an organization. And those organizations that don't see that are seeing a lot more resignations. And as a result of that, the person that comes into that has to be very technology-wise as well. So this HR executives now is a very powerful individual in the organization and also needs to be very competent. They need to both understand the soft skills, understand and have empathy for the people and where they're going through and be flexible, as as, as, as Karen said, but then identifying using technologies, the pain points or the data points that you're talking about. And it can be a very simple thing. It doesn't need to be big data. You don't have to have every single metric on every single person, although those help. A simple metric that could just be a starting point for some of these organizations is an NPA score, so Net Promoter Score. And, and, and one of the questions that comes out of that is, would you recommend our organization to your friends and family? And if, they, if the, the organization is not being highly recommended by employees internally, it definitely is not being recommended by customers because they are the, the face of the business. And if that's not right, you, you've definitely got an employment engagement side of things that's wrong. The secondary thing that should be looked at is kind of the, the, the metadata or the data around the data. If people are not taking leave, they're going to have burnout. If people are taking too much sick leave, there's obviously an issue because they are burnt out. Um, you know, what is their productivity stats if they earn per hour? Or, you know, what is the, the sort of use of email? Look at the times that they're using. Um, are they working late at night? That's going to be a potential concern if they, if, if they're not working correctly. So all of these things are, are things that can be measured. And yes, technology has got to be there, but it's really around having a competent person at an executive level to understand what they're looking at and making the right decisions around that to make sure there's an employee engagement. Perhaps as a, as a quick, uh, what do you call this, uh, as a quick follow-up to you, Jeff, I'm hearing, you know, the net promoter scores, et cetera, and 
I, and I definitely see how that can help, I guess, on the customer side. But when it comes to uh, maybe retaining the talent or at least attracting the talent, uh, I'm just thinking about how does someone actually use some of these systems to be able to get, you know, people in into the fold. Yeah, we, we've had this discussion internally, actually. It's funny enough, um, as, a, as an, a, a recruitment strategy, if you're using legacy systems, so old desktops or even some that are installed by CDs, when someone works for you for a few years and they put that on their CV, it doesn't look so good. Whereas if you're using the latest technology, the trends, the people that you know using cloud-based systems like Sage has got at the moment, or the the latest technologies with AI or with you know um, in, in, in business analytics and information, and really in, in touch with where technology is going, also have investment soft skills. That is in itself a recruitment strategy. And then for from the other side of it, even if if that isn't what they're putting on the CV because you don't want to lose people, is it's also you know. In the old days, when we were sitting around um, and you maybe be doing the payroll at the end of the month, if there was some issue with the system or was difficult to process, everyone would have a laugh about it, a joke about it, and you know maybe they'll get through together and it's this kind of camaraderie. But now everyone's kind of sitting at home all alone. There's probably not as much camaraderie, not as much laughing at the system. So it's becoming a lot more frustrating to use these outdated systems for employees. So the engagements will go down. And as a result of that, you may lose employees just for that fact. So using the latest technology, besides the fact that it's going to massively improve productivity, um, reduce the risk from fraud or reduce the, the inefficiencies of that person, it's also just from an enjoyment perspective. Using some of these systems is, is a poor experience compared to these new systems. And as a result, you might lose employees just for that fact alone. I want to build on that, Jeff. Yes, yes, Herod, yeah. I think it's very important. For me, there's two, two standouts. Um, and I'm going to refer last year in August of 2021, Sage did the research study on a thousand companies in South Africa. And, and one of the questions that we asked them specifically is, do you think there's more complexity in your business, whether it's technology or managing the human element? Um, and do you think that, that it's more complex? And obviously, the respondents, they said yes, from HR professionals, 86% said yes, there's more complexity. But they also said that there's a link between the increased use of cloud technology, what you mentioned, to the organizations to be able to help the staff or workforce to either work remotely or in a hybrid environment. So, so again, for me, it is the, the companies that's going to stand out and, and I want to say that's going to win the race and that's going to be the most successful in business need to embrace technology. So we spoke about the digital transformation, the adoption of technology, et cetera. But if they embrace the technology change, what's going to happen? The technology should add value to the business and business processes which in effect will lead to freeing up time for, for HR or for HR professionals or for leadership to focus on understanding the employee expectation and then building the culture from there to retain your best talent. And, and that's the, I want to call it the three pillars. It's the pillar of technology. It's the pillar of managing the workforce to, at the end, 
reach the success of being a fantastic company. To your point, net promoter score internally, colleagues are happy. Externally, the customers say they love the service that they get from the organization. And I think those three um, need to stay in sync. Otherwise, you're not going to be successful. As we round up the discussion, I really like uh, where Nohara has uh, taken us in this discussion to talk about some of those pillars uh, when it comes to HR because Jeff was highlighting, you know, the different ways technology can be used to attract, to retain staff, you know, whilst at the same time building on the customer experience and all of that. But as we round up the discussion, maybe what we can drill down on is how the traditional uh, what's the word I'm looking for? How the traditional, I guess, HR systems, what components actually still need, um, you know, improving. You guys have been talking about cloud technology, for example. That was not something that was there, let's say, 10, 15 years ago, at least with the rate of adoption as it is now. Uh, but what other components are there? And is it an issue of just... Um, HR systems on their own, or perhaps an organization-wide approach where different systems are talking to each other. Jeff, I'll start with you, and then we can hear from Harold. Yeah, but you know, I think you know, technology is a tool. As much as people are fearing that technology may take jobs, you know, especially in the people space, um, you know, there's been technology around that has been changing the way organization productivity for a long time. So, say, 300 people has um, an employee self-service. You know, you can go on and, and get your own payslips, you can get detail, which massively improves pr- improves the productivity of the HR staff so they don't have to a- handle admin queries. Someone can do it themselves. And that's a very simple use of technology. But if people don't know about it or not trained about it, they can't use it. So, you know, within our business, we're very much around empowerment of end users as well, allowing for training through through Applica, our, our subsidiary, to make sure that we can actually train users so they can use the employee self-service system. They also need, for, from an HR management perspective, can they use the dashboards, the BI that's available to them to get the insights that you're talking about? You know, can we make the HR professional able to do their job better? Remove those manual input tasks, make sure these are all automated through technology, but make sure that the tasks, the strategic tasks, those are available as well through the technology. And I think the big point for me, and, and you talk, touched on big data previously, is combining data from multiple sources. So if you've got a payroll system and you've got a, um, a leave system and all that, and you, you, you match those two with other input systems. So how much are they spending on their email? How much of time are they spending on the instant messaging? Have we got too much technology that are interfacing and interrupting a day's work in terms of, you know, your Skype, your, your teams, um, WhatsApp? Is there too much break in terms of someone's actual productivity? Are we getting those metrics? Because those can drive valuable conversations and reduce the complexity in the environment and make it much better from an employee perspective, make them happier, which as Gerard leads to, leads to a happier customer, which is all, all we want. So again, right technology used by the right person is really what you want to have, not not the other way around. No, the right technology with the right people and also the people that are, uh, I guess, informed and trained well in how to use those systems. Um, Harry, do you get the last word on uh, on this discussion? Uh, your thoughts just around components um, of uh, you know HR systems that uh, could be improved in a game-changing way? No, for sure. And, and in the survey that we've done, 70% of payroll HR professionals in the white paper that we published said, they're going to be switching from a manual or offline system 
to cloud software in the next year. So it shows you the switch to technology is real. Jeff touched on integration. When you put in technology, the most important thing in the organization, it needs to be integrated. You want a single view. You want to manage processes. When we look at big data, and that's a massive advantage that HR leaders and professionals have. They sit on the stack of data. If they put the right tools in, they can give the guidance to the Exco to say, how do we need to change our organization to attract the right talent? So integration, access to the information anywhere, anytime. The people using the technology to be rightly enabled by partners like AWK for them to educate what is best practice because it's a changing environment. And, and it's going to, what you do today is not maybe going to be relevant in 12 months' time. So make sure that technology and the people can adapt today and change consistently. And if you do that, I am sure that you're going to have a very happy, engaged workforce as well as see the advantages of the technology that you use in your organization. Most definitely. And that brings us uh, to the end of this very insightful discussion. I think one of the big themes that's coming out is the fact that uh, technology is one thing to invest in technology, but what's more important is how an organization actually uses that technology because we can all be collecting data points just around, you know, how many people are clocking in and out of work on a daily basis, how much time are people spending on email, WhatsApp, etc. But how do you use those insights as an organization either to improve your processes or to actually attract the type of talent that's going to get uh, the organization to be productive on the level that it needs to be. And I think that's one of the big messages that's coming out from both Jeff and Harad to say that it's you should invest in the technology platforms because that's where we're going. Now there needs to be that flexibility in the way that organizations are thinking and embracing the change that is with us. But in, uh, in making that investment how you use it is a very key. So that's been it. Um, we were with uh, Jeff Ryan, who is the, the managing director of uh, AW Cape, together with Harrod Hartman, who is the vice president of medium business over at Sage Africa and Middle East. So that has been our discussion for this uh, driving high performance teams uh, podcast, sponsored by AW Cape and Sage. I've been your host, Murio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. Remember that you can subscribe for free episodes on iono.fm, Spotify, player.fm, Pocket Costs, or wherever you choose to get your podcasts.